and welcome to episode two of The Fox Hunt, Vixens by the Numbers, your deep dive into the numbers of netball and statistics of super netball side, the Melbourne Vixens. This podcast is brought to you by Deakin, home to the world's number one sports science school. My name's Erin Dallahunty. I'm a freelance journalist who reports on the game for Guardian Australia, the ABC and Fox Sports. I'd like to start by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land in which I'm on today. I'm coming to you from Echuca, the lands of the Yorta Yorta people. I pay my, my respects to their elders past and present. As I explained in our first episode last week, I often rely on the feel of contests to inform my reporting, although I do love a good statistic, of course. But this podcast is all about adding in the real. That's the stats, the real versus the feel, if you like. And to break down the Melbourne Vixens game each week for me, I have Dr. Aaron Fox from Deakin to call on. Aaron is a lecturer in applied sports science and research methods and a sports data and visual visualizations guru. Welcome, Aaron, who is coming to us from Wadawurrung land. Thanks, Aaron. And it's great to be chatting about another Vixens win, having gone two for two to start the season. It's very exciting. Maybe we're a good luck charm, Aaron. Maybe. <laughs> Look, I can hear the whistle. Let's get started and take a look at round two. The Vixens, as we know, travelled to Ken Rosewall Arena in Sydney to take on the reigning premiers, the New South Wales Swifts, on Saturday. And the result was a five-goal win, 53-48. Of course, it was game one of the Sergeant McInnes Cup, which honours netball legends Anne Sargent, the iconic Diamonds captain who hails from New South Wales, and proud Victorian Simone McInnes, the current Vixens coach and Diamonds defensive legend. But to the game, Aaron, what did you think? Well, I think our feel is going to match up to the real today because this one really felt like a game of two halves. And um, there's definitely some statistical support for that feeling too. Yep. The Vixens dominated early, didn't they? They sort of capitalised on what felt like some pretty uncharacteristic errors from the Swifts, who, of course, were without shooter Sam Wallace and their co-captain Paige Hadley, who missed through COVID protocols. In the second half, the Swifts were able to fight back with debutante Sophie Fawns, who I hope we can talk about a bit later, and Helen Housby sort of shooting long to close the gap to just 11 goals at the end. But... The Vixens held on to go two from two in season 2022. Say that 10 times fast. Aaron. I'm going to leave that to you. <laughs> what what were your key over what were the key overall numbers that jumped out at you? Yeah, like I said, statistically this was a game of two halves. You look scoring wise, the Vixens jumped out to that 32-19 lead in the first half. Uh, but then it was you know, the Swifts scoring 29 to the Vixens 21 in the second half. Obviously not enough to catch up for the win, but still, you know, leading out in front in that second half of the game. Uh, the turnovers, again, were somewhat mirrored between the teams across the halves. Uh, in the first half, the Vixens only had 11 to the Swifts 17. And in the second half, the Vixens had 13 to the Swifts 11. So mm. reversing that again. Um, looking at where the Vixens perhaps excelled over the Swifts to get over the line, the gains were probably a key stat that um, they really excelled in outpacing the Swifts 17 to 7 across the match. So they simply sort of demonstrated a higher capacity to take the ball away from their opponent. Um, and this disparity in the gains uh, with the Vixens being plus 10 in that category, they almost pretty much came in the first half too. So gains were pretty even in the second half. So it was really in that first half of the game that they sort of took it away from the Swifts. Yeah, that's kind of it, isn't it? It's almost like you, you can almost win the game in the first half if you if you need to. Now, you know who my first question is going to be about, Aaron. 
don't you? Goalkeeper Emily Mannix. Talk to me about her sensational game, which, I mean, to me was all the more impressive given she was benched early in round one after she struggled against Donnell Wallam. Was it M Mannix's best game ever? Yeah, you know, I looked at the stat sheet for this game and I could almost feel <laughs> your happiness with these big numbers coming up down the defensive end. Um, and, you know, obviously the, the Swiss low scoring in this match is... Um, you know, emphasises the defensive effort that the Vixens and Mmanix put into the match. Um, but again, it was the gains statistic that stood out for me. Um, Mmanix had nine in the game and eight of these coming in the first half. And so, uh, like we've just been talking about, this ability to take the ball away was key in the Vixens' victory. Um, the question, was it her best game ever? Like, statistically, we can we can look back at, at the, the types of games Mmanix has had, particularly with this gain statistic and taking the ball away from opponents. And um, she has outpaced herself uh, previously. So in rounds four and 13 of the 2017 Super Netball season, she recorded 10 games uh, against the Fever and the Thunderbirds. And in round seven of the 2020 Super Netball season, she recorded 12 games also against the Adelaide Thunderbirds. So overall, perhaps she's had statistically better games, but I did mention that she had eight gains in the first half and five of these gains in the first quarter. Yeah. Now she's only had five gains in a quarter once before in round eight of the 2019 super netball season, um, but never recorded eight gains in a single half yeah, uh, before right. across her career. So um, going on that similar theme of a game of two halves, if you looked at M Mannix's work in that first half, possibly one of the best um, halves of netball she's ever put together. Mm, yes, really stamped her authority, but it's quite fascinating to break it down and look at it from that first to, to the second half. I mean, the, they obviously live long in the memory, those deflections and those intercepts, Aaron. They have to for us as defenders. <laughs> now, shooting-wise, yeah. it, it seemed again that it was the Kamwenda-Samerson combination that really got the job done for the Vixens, with Kira Austin only really shooting a handful of goals yeah i mean this wasn't the same scale of attacking firepower that we saw in round one against the firebirds but that might have been driven a little bit by the opponent you know we saw the firebirds in round two having another very high scoring match so uh for teams to keep up with them they may need to do that um but this round two match for the vixens was a little bit different um as you said, Kamwenda was again kind of leading the, the charge from the scoring perspective. She actually accounted for 75% of the Vixen scoring yeah, wow. uh, this week, which was up from 63% in round one. Uh, and like you mentioned there, Samerson was kind of that second scoring option. And it's been interesting to look at her scoring rate or her efficiency when she comes on the court because she's coming in as that substitution and that second, second scoring option. Um, but if we look at her goals per 60 minutes of playing time so kind of try and normalize it for the amount of time she's playing uh, she's actually sitting at number 15 in the league at about 22 goals per 60 minutes of game time okay. um, and sort of sitting in that category is pretty pretty good for a second scoring option um, and if we actually look at Samerson's data from the team girls cup she was sitting at similar values for scoring per 60 minutes as players like Kumwenda, Nelson and Wallum uh, when she's given that sort of lead scoring yeah, opportunity. Yeah, so, so she can sort of step up into that if she needs to. Yeah, for sure. Like it's this versatility of where she's coming into play and she's slotting into the different roles that's being asked of her within the team. 
um, it, it looks really promising. So she's not having these high volume scoring numbers as um, some of the other shooters in the league might be putting up. But when we kind of normalize it, uh, she's she's really sort of pushing it with her scoring. Um, and, you know, it, it's perhaps when we've got that Kamwenda and Samusom combination out there that the Vixens are really trying to push the pace and scoring perhaps and mm. with Austin out there playing a, a slightly different sort of game. Yeah, that word versatility just keeps bringing to mind this season with the Vixens, doesn't it? Not just in terms of personnel, but how they can seemingly play as well, which obviously means that you have more flexibility depending on your your opponents. So it's Liz Watson time now, Aaron, another game, another very solid performance. What did her numbers look like and how did they compare to other feeders this round? I, I think I, to me, Maddie Proud really stepped up in the absence of, of Paige Hadley, I thought. Yeah, for sure. I, I just want to flag. If we're going to have a Liz Watson segment every week, you're going to have to think of a specific name for it, you know? Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Watch uh, and I'll watch, you, perhaps. Let, yeah, I'll let you stew on that while I, I talk <laughs> about a game from the weekend. Um, and this, you know, might come across as a little bad because it was perhaps a, a down round for Liz when it came to total numbers versus the rest of the league. Um yeah, she was only number six in the league for total center pass receives okay. uh, in round two. Uh, she was number two for feeds with an attempt with uh, 30 in that category. But whenever we're talking about Liz not being number one in these statistical categories, you know, we can maybe consider it a down week. Um, but these total numbers can be a little bit skewed by the pace and scoring within a game. Um, you know, obviously the Firebirds game in round two was a pretty fast paced one and Gretel Bueda and Lara Dunkley were kind of leading the league in these center pass receives and feeds with an attempt category, probably just because of how fast paced those games were. Mm. Um, and if we look at just the Vixens versus the Swifts, you know, Liz paced all players across these categories. She was, you know, the, the lead on court for center pass receives and feeds with an attempt. Um, and on the other side of the coin, you, you mentioned uh, Maddie Proud there. Uh, she led her team in center pass receives and circle fees with an attempt. Um, and so she did certainly step up for her team in that category. Well, it's nice to know the, yeah, the feel sort of you know, match the real there on Proud. I mean, we do obviously focus on the Vixens on this podcast, but we can't not talk about the debut of 18-year-old Swift's training partner, Sophie Fawns. Wagga Wagga's own, I think she needs to be known as. She missed just three goals um, after she came onto the court, but she also did lots of other really good things, I thought, Aaron. Yeah, so statistically she looked like she was getting involved around the circle as well with 10 feeds and, and six feeds of those came with a, a shooting attempt. Um, and, you know, she kind of subbed in, didn't play the whole match. So we can kind of look at her scoring efficiency in a similar way we did with Samison's earlier um, Fawns played 37 minutes uh, and if we extrapolate her scoring or her goals out to 60 minutes of game time she was sitting at around about that 26 goals per 60 minutes uh, so this you know, could be indicative that she could play a similar role for the Swifts that Samuelson's playing for the Vixens at the moment you know substituting in and, and generating a bit of scoring off the bench um, and you know, the, the interesting thing I picked up with this I saw across the weekend a lot of people were talking about the Swifts being able to find these good shooters named Sophie. Um, <laughs> so and so true. I wondered how this match compared to Sophie Garvin's Swifts debut in round one of 2018. Oh, wow. And just looking at a couple of key stats, eerily similar. Um, in Garvin's debut, she played about 30 minutes and scored 
uh, 18 goals with two feeds and Fawns over the weekend played 37 minutes and scored 16 goals with 10 feeds. So some slight differences there, but we're potentially, you know, seeing the early signs of someone who can come through in a similar way to Sophie Garvin did. Wow. See, Aaron, this is why you get the big bucks on this podcast. (laughs) That's really really interesting. I think you need to add elite debuts of netballers named Sophie Expert to your Twitter bio after that. Yeah, that is a pretty niche category. I don't know how much further um, we can extend that past these two. (laughs) It's still really, yeah, super interesting. So as I mentioned last week, we're really keen to get Vixens fans involved as much as we can in the podcast. We want to hear your stat questions and queries. What netball numbers do you love? Do you understand? Do you not understand? Or maybe you've got a burning question that you want to know about a particular stat. Maybe there's another Sophie that we can do some research into. Please let us know via your favourite social media platform by using hashtag the Fox Hunt and we'll look to include them in this segment that Fox answers the fans. We've got some really great probing questions since our first episode, so please keep them coming and see if you can stump Aaron because that's obviously the whole point of this section. Yes, I'm looking <laughs> forward to that. So first we have a really interesting question from Emily Lacey on Twitter about the Swifts game from the weekend. Emily wants to know about turnovers. She writes, both teams had a similar high number of turnovers, but how did each team respond? Really good to hear from Emily. She uh, is someone I've taught at Deakin last year, so it's good to see she's putting those critical analysis skills we we teach in our course to good use uh, while watching the game. Uh, We sort of discussed this earlier, that there was a bit of a timing involved with this across the two different halves. you know, the, the Vixen or the Swifts were a bit more heavy on the turnovers in the first half, and then the Vixens had a little bit more in the second. Um, but once again, I think there was a bit more of an efficiency aspect coming in and converting these turnovers to scoreboard pressure. Uh, mm-hmm. We talked about this in round one where this was an area that the Vixens excelled in against the Firebirds, and it seemed to happen again uh, in this match against Swifts. So if we look at goals coming from gains and turnovers, the Vixens had 17 and the Swifts had 12. Uh, which exactly the same in round one. This was the difference in the match, five goals. And so the Vixens being able to convert these turnovers into scoring opportunities and actual scoring uh, seems to be a sort of big aspect of, of where they're beating their opponents. Yeah, and that's that real sort of grassroots idea of rewarding your defenders when they do the work. It's great to get those tips and touches, but if it doesn't end up on the scoreboard, they are, they're not for much good. So next we have a question from Charlotte Burns, also on Twitter, off the back of the Vixens' round one win over the Firebirds. Charlotte says... Typically, the Melbourne Vixens are consistent one-point shooters, but with this new shooting combination, I presume Charlotte's talking about Conwenda and Samerson here, when are they shooting the most goals? Is it at the start, the middle, after nerves are settled, or the two-point shots in super shot time? Yeah, another good question. I think it was good that we can get to this one. Charlotte might have been one of the first people to listen to the podcast based on how quickly this question came in. Uh, So that was good to see. Um, but there was an interesting league-wide trend when I looked at this from uh, 2020 onwards. So given the introduction of the super shot happened in 2020, I thought I'd focus on those years and look at scoring across the first, middle and last five minutes of quarters. And yeah, this, this interesting league-wide trend popped up where 
scoring seems to work in this triangular shape I kind of visualized in my head Mm -hmm. where the scoring peaks in the middle five minutes of the quarter and then it's a little bit lower at the start and the end of the quarter Um, and and that start and the end of the quarter have similar kind of scoring values so teams are are perhaps easing into the quarter really getting moving uh, in those middle five minutes and then something again is happening in the last five minutes that's uh, just slowing down the scoring a little bit um, and the Vixens were, were pretty they followed this trend over 2020 and 2021 where they were peaking with the scoring in in the middle five minutes uh, but they're still doing this in 2022 just at you know a little their scoring is peaking a little bit less in that middle five minutes and it's staying a bit more consistent across the entire quarter um, and I think this is perhaps linking into a little bit with what Charlotte's asking that um maybe not focusing so much on those super shots or going for the two points in that period. And uh, that consistent scoring is showing up in their scoring rate from the early to the middle to the late part of the quarter. Wow, that's so intriguing, isn't it? I think a lot of people would assume that we're seeing this avalanche of of goals being put on in that that last five minutes. So really interesting to to understand that about the accuracy across oh. the quarter. And I realised I had one more fact for you on that scoring rate, actually. Um, so the Vixens are obviously playing the Giants this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would think that the Giants are typically known as this super shot mm-hmm. team mm-hmm. And, and maybe that they're scoring really bumps up in that last five minutes of quarters this year is not happening they're seeing a big drop off in their scoring rate in the last five minutes of quarters so perhaps something that the vixens might take advantage of this weekend really interesting isn't it when a team can have a reputation for something and it might just it hangs on doesn't it and people take it to be to be fact so it's really great for you to 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 dissect that for us Look, thank you very much for joining us on episode two of The Fox Hunt. As Aaron just mentioned, in round three this Saturday, the Vixens have the Giants off the back of a pretty controversial week. They're at, um, the Vixens are at home at John Kane Arena in Melbourne, the first home game for the season, which is very exciting for fans. And then, of course, just a few days later, uh, Tuesday night in the first midweek round of the season, the Vixens host the all-conquering West Coast Fever again at home in Melbourne. So grand final rematch from 2020 there. So that means next week's podcast will look back at the results of the Giants game, but also provide you with a little preview of the Fever match, which will be happening the same day as the podcast comes out on the Tuesday. Now, before I put Aaron on the spot and ask him for his performance prediction for this upcoming game, let's first check how how he went last week. I seem to recall you tipped the defence to have a big influence on the Swifts match, Aaron, after it wasn't it was all about attack in round one, yes? Yeah. I'm going to pretend I had a fancy statistical model that helped me do this, but um, no, it was, just it. A, it, was, <laughs> it was it was on the feel of, of the game and looking at Mannix's game and the defensive presence of the Vixens that we discussed earlier, I think I'm going to give myself pass marks on this one. Um, and to add, um, while we've got to acknowledge some differences between you know, what the shooting circle of the Swifts looked like in round two, mm. this was actually the lowest score they'd been held to in a match uh, since the introduction of the super shot in 2020. So big defensive performance by the Vixens. Wow. Look, one out of one isn't too shabby. I think I think you can wear that with pride for a couple of days. What, what have you got for me ahead of round three, Aaron? 
Well, still don't have a lot of data to be mapping trends against yet. Um, so I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and suggest that a trend from the first couple of rounds is actually going to reverse. And okay. so uh, Kira Austin, she scored nine goals in round one uh, and three in round two. But I think this is a week she gets involved and definitely cracks the double digits for her goals um, and perhaps even more. And I think particularly going up against her old side, this is kind of the game she can make a big impact on the scoreboard. Yeah, and look, she's obviously still coming back from that ACL, so there's a bit of management that's going on there. I tend to to agree with you against the Giants. She knows what she's going to come up against in that defensive circle, so there won't be too many surprises for her, I guess. Look, we've noted that down about Kira. No pressure. We'll come back to it next week. That, look, that's the show for today, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us again. And please, as I mentioned earlier, on social media, let us know all of your questions. Give us your feedback about the pod at hashtag the Fox Hunt pod. Thank you so much, Aaron. 